Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of Share Diversity, the Muslim Businesswoman podcast, where we share the diversities of Muslims in the media. And today we have a podcast creator collaboration with Amina from the book Nomad podcast, where we talk about the fear of failure and how to overcome it in both your life, business, career, as well as as we're approaching Ramadan, how we can overcome the fear of failure and not doing enough during this beautiful time and how we can really set actionable goals for the next year, inshallah. So as this is a collaboration, do check out the Book Nomad podcast, episode 28, talking about the two books, The Alchemist and The Little Prince, and talking really about very actionable steps, how to apply lessons from these two books into your own life. And you have to know Amina is a genius in languages. That's why she always talks about very interesting books from all around the world. So do support and subscribe. Before you jump into this episode, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast, you review us on iTunes and inshallah, follow us on Instagram, Twitter and YouTube, where we share more insights into business, branding and womanhood. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you, Amina? Alhamdulillah, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And for those who haven't heard from you, could you introduce yourself in 30 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Amina. I run a Book Nomad podcast, which is a podcast where I discuss books from around the world with Muslims who also love to read. And we kind of look at how the books can teach us lessons for our own life and uh, yeah, learn a bit about different cultures and uh, have fun. <laughs> Great. Um, so... I guess I would like to ask you because we both run run podcasts and I, I, I just enjoy asking, you know, kind of the why behind what, why you started to get into podcasting. Yeah. Have you done something before the Book Nomad podcast? Um, do you come from a content creation background? Like, like why did you start to, to develop this? Okay. Um, this is the first time I've done a podcast and it's the first time I... Um, How do I put it? I'm quite a private person, especially when it comes to the internet. I don't, I'm not comfortable with having too much kind of personal information on the internet. So for me, a podcast, because it's my voice, <laughs> it it did feel a little bit exposed, which is why it took me a while to get started, I think. Mm -hmm. But um, why I started it There's a number of reasons, actually. I, I've always liked reading. It's been a part of my life since I was very young. And I wanted somewhere to kind of explore what I was reading, I think. So it was, I mean, I think people start podcasts for different reasons. Sometimes they start it because they want to share something that they feel that they know a lot about with the world, right? Mm-hmm. For me, I think it was also for me to have somewhere to explore what I was reading in a kind of conscious way. Mm. And when you're talking about things, it's often a chance to learn more about them, right? It's a, it's a learning process. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So how did you get into, because a lot of times when we, um, I think, consume knowledge, especially through books, like I'm, I tend to like be very in you know how do you say that you're like super personal 
in the book and you read mm. the book for yourself and it's not something yeah. that you usually share with others like your reflections and stuff like that so how was the feeling from like having this very personal thing for you that is kind of like something that is a part of your life and that you reflect upon and then share it with the world how did you come from this personal to this public kind of sharing um I think well one of the other reasons I started it was because I was listening to book related podcasts mm -hmm. and a lot of the perspectives that I saw out there uh, were not were quite different to my perspective and my way of understanding what I was reading so I did feel like it would be helpful for me to put my perspective out there as well mm -hmm. um, as a Muslim and as someone who is not hmm I don't know really I <laughs> I always have trouble talking about perspectives because there's loads of labels thrown around <laughs> mm -hmm. but I just felt my my perspective was not represented that much mm -hmm. in the niche of book podcasts so mm -hmm. in that way I wanted it to be public yeah th this is what I really respect because a lot of times I think we obviously we see that in very different areas of our lives and mm -hmm not only personally, but also professionally and things that we are interested in. And then we yeah. don't see kind of our perspective or like our way of looking at things. So we might read the same things, but there's like very different spin from our, yeah. from our experiences, right? And mm. getting the jump from acknowledging that and then actually being the person that fills the gap. I think that is very, very brave. <laughs> Wow. Because we, you know, we, it, no, it's it's serious. Because I, I hear and I talk to to sisters, and and we always say like we can complain a lot, right? Mm. Because there's a lot of things that are not available for us, or whatever is available for us that doesn't really, mm, you know, speak into our value system or our way of thinking right. about things. But then we don't do anything about it, mm. and that is, I think, this big gap that we are not filling ourselves. Which is usually my perspective on things is, you know, if If there's nothing for you out there, you should do it. Yeah, definitely. You know, like if you need something, just be that person. Because if you are looking for that person, then probably other sisters are also looking for that. Mm. Yeah. And when you, I mean, I'm guilty of doing this, but if we complain a lot, but we don't act, then it's also just for ourselves in, in within ourselves, it's a very disempowering way of living because... It just reinforces that kind of, I don't know, a victim mentality or the feeling that you have mm -hmm. no control over your own mm -hmm. existence, if you like. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely important to act. Um, we we should point out where, where there are problems, but then we also need to try and do something about it. Yes. Although <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that I tried with my own podcast to remind myself that it's still a learning journey so it's definitely I wouldn't say that um, I'm always kind of representing the the ideas that I want to because you know we make mistakes and <laughs> it's a struggle that I'm, I'm constantly um, dealing with with the podcast I think I think everyone I think mm. everyone we, we would like to 
obviously when we read things and when we learn things we'd like to apply them directly mm. but it's not always possible or we apply them for some days some weeks and then we can kind of get out of the habit yeah that was actually so good for us but it's just human we're always on a journey yeah exactly. so so you know how we judge ourselves is really it's really sometimes <laughs> cruel mm. in the way that we just sometimes should just recognize and acknowledge that we are on a, on, on the way to to a destination but i wanted to ask a bit about because you said you know you came into media and as a woman in media there's a lot of pressure on you know representation and you speak your voice and you're kind of like a spokesperson but you also value being anonymous mm. like that people would not know about your personal life how do you balance that being a woman in media creating content being personal but then also being anonymous um There's a few questions there. <laughs> uh, as far as being a woman in media, it's actually not something that is at the forefront of my mind. Mm -hmm. I haven't, since I started this podcast, being a woman has not really been something of particular significance, maybe to the way I, to the way I speak about the books or, yeah, it's not something that, was particularly relevant to me I mean it's relevant of course but it wasn't important I guess um in my reason for starting the podcast um in terms of personal and an anonymity I something I've been thinking about recently because this is something I've been struggling with a bit recently um because when you talk about a book as you said you know it's quite a personal thing to talk about how the book affected you and and to think about because I try to be quite reflective why do I why did I have this reaction to this book especially because most of the books are fiction mm -hmm. so it's definitely there's an, an, a strong emotional force behind it so sometimes you know understanding why you re respond to a book in a certain way is going to be uh, based on who you are right mm -hmm. um so I have been <laughs> kind of struggling with what I reveal about myself in order to talk about the books. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, as I said, because I don't, I don't want to be mm -hmm. presenting myself as an expert, I'm just learning, right? Like anyone, hopefully in the way the listeners are learning. So I feel like to an extent who I am is not that important. It's more about the kind of the ideas that we explore in the discussion. Mm -hmm. So in that way, that helps me a bit to maintain that on anonymity. Makes sense. So uh, let's say you get this idea of, you know, having different perspectives on how you read books and starting this podcast. How yeah. did you take the podcast from an idea to really the execution part? <laughs> um, trying to remember the first time I thought of doing it. I think it was probably because I started listening to, I've been listening to podcasts for, for a long mm -hmm. time, but they were often you know, kind of personal development podcasts where the people are interviewed from different fields and, you know, business podcasts, that kind of thing. Uh, I only started listening to book-related podcasts maybe a year and a half ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's when I thought, okay, you know, this is something people are doing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting. Like, for me, it's something that I'm personally interested in. So I did start thinking about it, but it took me at least, a good few months to execute <laughs> that idea 
mainly because I was scared, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And it felt like, and it is a a responsibility because you're putting your ideas out Mm -hmm. into the world. But once I decided to do it, I just kind of jumped in without thinking too much about the consequences. (laughs) How did you do that? How did you come from this mindset of like, you know, I'm scared, I have this responsibility to then just like jumping? Because for me, it looks like a journey more than, you know, Mm -hmm. a one one second decision or did you have the skill of overcoming your fear before that already uh yeah i would say yes this is not the first i'll call it project that i've done Mm -hmm. so i have tried and failed and different projects before this can you Um, can you tell us about the first time where you had this experience of overcoming you know the fear uh I mean, we do it, we do it throughout our lives, right? But I suppose the first time I was conscious of it, I, yeah, I I did a project. I actually didn't think about it that much when I started it. And then after I'd got halfway through, I suddenly kind of, it dawned on me that it was quite a big thing. And and then I had to deal with it because I was already in it, right? Um, mm. But I think, I think reading um, a book that you've probably no, uh, the seven habits of highly effective people. Yes, by Stephen Covey, classic, yeah. <laughs> so classic, and so such a reminder every time you read it again. Yeah, that book uh, really, really changed how I how I saw myself and how I understood the way I interact with with my life and with my emotional kind of yeah, with fear, with responsibility. So yeah, that book changed a lot for me it made me more conscious of why I reacted in certain ways to different experiences Um, and I think that's why I was kind of able to overcome this fear because I understood kind of kind of understood (laughs) why I was feeling a certain way about it and what I needed Mm -hmm. to do to kind of bypass it and Actually, for yeah. me, I mean, yeah. for me, overcoming that fear, if, if I'm talking about the podcast, for me, it was just one day I thought, okay, look, you know, you can think about it forever. It's not going to change the fact that it's scary. It's not going to change the fact that it is a responsibility that you might not succeed, that no one, maybe no one will listen to it. <laughs> so just do it. And if it doesn't work, it's fine, you know? So does that apply this kind of thought of, you know, you think, you can think about it forever, but it's not going to change the fact, you know, so just do it. Does it apply to every every situation where you kind of fear that you're not going to succeed? I mean, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I think there is an element of that in most situations. Yeah, it doesn't mean you shouldn't plan or prepare, mm-hmm. but even planning can be a, can be a form of putting it off, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, yes. I need to plan it, it needs to be perfect before I can, you know, do it. Yes, yes. And you can plan for 10 years, yeah. but if you don't do it, then it's worthless. <laughs> this actually reminds me of something. So a friend of mine, she's um, she has her own business and she's she wanted to create this podcast. Mm. You know, she's like planning and she's asking me for advice, you know, like what are the action steps? And she's such a planner, mashallah. But I told her, you know, like, okay, we can plan now for an hour. And then what we are going to do is the first thing I'm going to show you is the recording tool, which you can choose to record. And then you just record something like I don't care what, but just do it because, you know, 
it it doesn't matter if you you know you know you have to like look at your brand develop a name develop a you know the design develop mm. you know your target market all your action steps something that you do strategically to just like create something for your own but that all all that doesn't matter if you don't do it yeah because you have to get into this this momentum of doing the thing to understand how you can do it better, how Definitely. you can, you know, grow it. So overcoming this momentum is really just, it sounds cliche, but you just have to jump into it to know mm. what are the next steps. Yeah. And to realize that it's often not as scary as it looks from the outside. Yes, <laughs> because it does. Like everything that is new to you, it sounds like this huge burden and this huge mountain mm. that you have to overcome. But let's say, okay, there's kind of big fears and then there's smaller fears. So there's like this big fear of, you know, failing and like not succeeding and not having a life of purpose and all that jazz. Mm. And then you have these small fears that are coming in everyday life, right? Yeah. So what happens if I, you know, go to the interview with hijab or what happens if I call this client and, you know, I'm, I'm selling the wrong thing or in the wrong way. So do you have like habits that kind of get you over these fears that continue to come up in your life? Um, I think, and again, this is honestly, so many of these things are just things you constantly have to be working on. You know, uh, sometimes when it comes to personal development, we feel like, for example, once you're confident, you're going to be confident for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. But that is not the case, right? We confidence fluctuates, um, knowledge even fluctuates we forget things we learn new things and then we forget them so in a way <laughs> it's um I don't know sometimes I feel like we talk about these things and someone might be listening and think like that person has mastered mm -hmm. getting over fear for example yes. I wish I wish I could be like that but you know it, it's something you always have to work on for your whole life and yeah. I don't know I don't think anyone would ever reach a point where they're completely confident and that's it like it's locked in yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, I think, again, just kind of trying to understand why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling is probably the most the most powerful way that I overcome big fears and small fears. Mm -hmm. You know, just if I feel like I mean, I, I can give you an example. Uh, <laughs> I went to an interview a couple of years ago and they gave me a task to do. Mm -hmm. And it was for me it was really scary. When I when I looked at it, I was like, this is, I can't do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And they gave me like 10 minutes to prepare or something. So I was sitting there and I could actually feel my body going into the, you know, like flight mode. I, my legs wanted to run. <laughs> That's how scared I was. <laughs> I've never felt like that before. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I need to get out of here. I can't do this. <laughs> Then I was like, okay, look, just take a minute, you know, mm -hmm. think about, you know, what is the worst that could happen? Mm -hmm. You know, the worst case, you're going to make an absolute mess of it. You won't get the job. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, that's it, really. Yeah. So that is, that's another way I overcome fears by thinking about like, the absolute worst thing that could happen is usually not that bad, really, in, in relation to, you know, life, your <laughs> life outside that hour or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's another thing. Just seeing it in perspective, relative to to your life, it's not such a big deal. 
That, that's that's a, a very interesting uh, like tip because it reminds me so much of everyday life because <laughs> I always mm. have, you know, when I over and we we a lot of times we overreact either, you know, visibly or just within ourselves. Mm. And then it's so important to ask ourselves the question, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. And a lot of times it is not that bad. <laughs> like there's literally not too much to lose you know and mm. even if you know it's not written for you anyway so yeah that's another thing yeah definitely yeah so you you also mentioned this part which i think is very important for a lot of women and i think for ev everyone is the fact that you need to understand yourself mm. you need to understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling so are there like certain questions you're asking yourself or because a lot of times you know you can just tell someone you know be honest to yourself but how mm. is the action step to be honest to yourself like what <laughs> questions do you ask yourself are you gonna write it down are you just mm. reflecting are you meditating um so you know give us something tangible huh. <laughs> i don't know if i can um how do you do it Let's let's just say there there's a friend of yours and she's just super overreacting about a situation and she just doesn't know how to overcome this and mm. and a lot of times you know we say I don't know why I think like that you know I don't know why I'm feeling like like that right now is it hormones you know and we always like <laughs> push it to our female being that we are like emotional which is a problem in itself but like what what would you tell her like what advice would you give her I mean for me I think I'm quite um a practical I guess take a practical approach so kind of break down what has happened and then mm -hmm. I think the first thing is to work out at what point this kind of feeling kicked in Right. So you're narrowing it down to specifically when you got this feeling that helps you to start understanding why you feel that way. Is it, for example, I don't know, your boss, you had a problem with your boss or whatever. Is it something specific mm -hmm. that they said? How did you feel when they said that? And then, I mean, why did they say that as well? Like for me, I think it helps if you're dealing with people to understand why they are behaving that way as well in terms of coming up with a solution. I think I'm very kind of Mm -hmm. maybe more now um, focused on the solution. So as long as I understand what my feeling is, then I can start trying to think about what mm -hmm. can be changed. But I don't know. I don't, I, I suppose maybe I got a bit used to it now, but mm -hmm. I think there are certain, each person has certain emotional habits. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for example, you have certain insecurities about yourself. So yeah, a question could be, you know, mm -hmm. what, which of my insecurities is being triggered by this, you know, experience? Mm -hmm. uh, it could be, I don't know, that you don't think you're mm -hmm. as smart as other people, for example, then, mm -hmm. you know, okay, then you can ask yourself, does it, for example, does it matter if I'm as smart as, as that person, you know, well, does that have an impact on what I can do? I think it's largely about taking ownership of the situation rather than looking to how other people are treating you. But okay, regardless of them, what do I need to do to move past this? I don't know if that answers your question. No, it's it's very <laughs> practical. Okay, so I'm going to recap. Um, understand at what point did that feeling kick in, mm -hmm. then break down what happened, you know, to like really get to that point. And then obviously everyone has different habits and insecurities. So understanding which of my insecurities did this situation trigger, 
and asking yourself, does it matter? Does it have an impact on the situation? And then, yeah, taking ownership of the situation. It makes a lot of sense to me, mm. to be honest, because a lot of times, you know, for example, if you want to create something, especially in content creation, if you want to, you know, build your own brand uh, or be your own brand, a lot of times you're asking yourself, you know, what what makes me special? Right. What do I have yeah. to offer? Like, I want to talk about this, but I'm not... I'm not, you know, super rich. I don't I don't own like a multi-million dollar business. That's why I cannot talk about it. And it makes no sense. Like it makes sense in a superficial level. Yes, you want to be an expert to be able to talk mm. about it. But there's other things as well that you can give to people, you know. You don't have to be the best right. in what you do. You have to just be the best version of yourself to do what you do. Mm. It doesn't matter if your insecurity is that you're not as rich or successful as other people in earthly terms. It really doesn't matter. And it also doesn't matter that you're the best in what you do because the criteria of starting something, whether it's a brand or business, whatever you want to start, is not to be the best. It, you know, like it always reminds me of the book uh, Big Magic. Mm -hmm. She said, you know, a lot of people want to write books and like be creative and create art to help others. Hmm. And she always told herself, you know, I want to be a writer. I never said I'm going to be a good writer. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to say, uh, I never said that I want to change other people's lives by writing. You know, I, I just said I'm going to be mm -hmm. a writer, nothing else. Yeah. So sometimes we just need to like understand that, that it's not that deep. It's really mm. not that deep. I think actually, I think we need a balance in this because on the one hand we have, especially now like with social media, we have people who are treated as experts, right? Mm -hmm. um, and often they're not what, I mean, they don't have that much experience in the field that they're talking about, but they themselves present themselves as experts. Mm. And I think that's very damaging, mm. whether it's, I mean, probably most significantly in Islamic uh, studies areas, because mm. that requires a lot of knowledge. Yes. But then on the other hand, you have people who, I mean, you need to kind of, as you said, you need to take a step, even if you're not perfect, because you won't be perfect, right? Yes. So I think the key, kind of the balance between those two things is to do, but don't kind of be be open-minded, be open to learning from other people. So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's your, your learning as much as other people, right? Yeah. Obviously, I think, I think we do have, everyone has their own area where they're more, they have more insight or they've, they've studied it a lot. So yes. it doesn't mean we shouldn't be confident in our ideas, but I think it's, yeah, it's about how we present ourselves as well. Yeah. So there are some things, you know, when you have, for example, a gift or talent, whatever you're good at, mm. there are some things that you can do. You know, you can ask yourself, what do people ask me for and like advice yeah. in? What do I know more about? What am I feeling comfortable and natural in, in delivering? And like you say, I think this is one of the most important things. What am I willing to learn mm. to the ultimate extent? Like what am I willing to learn every single day for the next, like say 10 to 20 years? And that's how you kind of find the way your thing, your field, you know, your industry, yeah. your... Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I have a question because we were talking about, you know, action steps to overcome your fear and fear of failure. And I think it's very present right now as well mm. that uh, Ramadan is starting oh. and <laughs> we all <laughs> set ourselves like high goals. I mean, I do that. I, I think a lot of sisters do because we all have like these 
great thoughts of, you know, this is what I want to do and mm. this is the new habit that I want to have for the next year. Because it's kind of like a new year resolution yeah. like it is for other people. How do you handle, handle it during Ramadan, that, that fear of not doing a thousand percent that you would like to do mm. during that month? How do you overcome this? Uh, this is a big struggle for me, to be honest. I would say every Ramadan, I just try a different approach and see what happens. <laughs> Honestly, um, it's definitely something I'm I'm still learning about myself. I I would mm -hmm. say um, before I I th I would say I've improved, and I'm trying to think what I did, how that happened. I think it was one of the things about Ramadan is. The idea that in the month we need to be, you know, like do everything that comes into our mind, <laughs> you know, finish Quran, finish reading the Quran and mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, listen to lectures or read other books or whatever it is people want to do. But then, you know, on the first of uh, Shawwal, we just kind of go back to normal life, if you like. Mm -hmm. And that is not I mean, that's not how we should be approaching it you know mm -hmm. it's kind of obviously Ramadan we we should set ourselves high standards whether Ramadan or not you know mm -hmm. push ourselves but we also need to think about how we're going to make it sustainable so that we're not necessarily at the same level as we would be in Ramadan afterwards but we've still improved from the way we were before Ramadan mm -hmm. and if we keep that in mind I think it helps with the way we set our goals for the month because we're thinking about how it's going to impact afterwards yes so we might be thinking about, for example, you know, I'm reading one juz a day of Quran. That Just that in itself has, it's very different in the level of difficulty for different people, right? Mm -hmm. For some people, that's a very easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. Personally, I find it quite difficult to finish one juz every day. Mm -hmm. And I know that that is not something I can do the rest of the year. Yeah. So... I do try to do it in, in Ramadan, but then I think, okay, after Ramadan, how am I going to keep up this relationship mm -hmm. with the Quran in a way that fits into my life? Mm -hmm. And then I kind of, you know, you've set yourself high standards, but you know how you're going to keep it up after Ramadan. And I think that gives you motivation as well to keep it up. Yeah, you're right. Within it, the month. It actually reminds me of the hadith. Um, I'm not perfect in copying it but it yeah. <laughs> basically says however big your deeds are you know take up the good deeds however big or small they may be because the best deeds are the ones that are regular right right so having yeah. like this consistency whatever you might choose if it's you know one ayah one surah one juice uh, or just you know making dua in the morning or waking yeah. up 10 minutes earlier so you can pray layl or someone who's struggling even with you know, praying Fajr or praying all prayers, you know, like just having one more than, mm. you know, before Ramadan and then having this small thing that you can take on for the rest of the year yeah. because it doesn't it doesn't mean it's small for someone. It's small for you. It could be super big for you because that's just something that is really hard for you to achieve. But you know that you can commit to it and doing it consistently. Mm. And it's I think also, that applies also. Yeah. Yeah. There's also the the fact that we as you said it's each person knows their own knows what they um, what's realistic for them right mm -hmm. and again I'm gonna say that we should set we should push ourselves yeah because I think we need that balance between you know being kind to ourselves 
but mm-hmm. but still pushing you know we shouldn't we shouldn't be too comfortable we <laughs> should be pushing ourselves because we want to excel right that's yes as muslims we should ex- when we do something we should do it well right yeah yeah so so we need to understand what's realistic for us and then maybe just push it a little bit more than is comfortable i would say that's probably yeah. a good way to approach it yeah and but I think this is actually, yeah, it's super hard. It's super hard. Mm. And it applies to all areas of your life. You know, there could be a type of worship could be that you are the best at your job, you know, and because this mm. is something that feeds your family or this is something that represents you as a Muslim well in, in your team, you're reliable. And yeah. it could be an, an, you know, as long as you do it for the right intention, it, it's a form of worship, right? Mm. And something that you said is like that you shouldn't be feel too comfortable and you should push yourself. It reminds me actually of the, a podcast actually that I want to shout out at this point. <laughs> I shouted it out so <laughs> every time I every time in the morning, uh, and I hope I can I can keep that habit up, inshallah, is that I listen to the Qalam Institute podcast. Oh yeah, and there's one series which is the Heart Work series, which is from the Roots community in Dallas. Like I just want to go to the US one time and go to Dallas and like meet all these people because <laughs> it sounds so fun. <laughs> and basically, um, Abdurrahman Murphy actually said something that was interesting, which was comfort is dangerous. Like mm-hmm. if you are feeling comfortable, it's literally it's really dangerous for you because you think you're safe and it could be both in in your iman or in your in, right. in your business or job because you kind of feel you're cool like that like it's good it's good you know and you're comfortable and everything is fine yeah and there's this thought of you know you don't need Allah you don't need to make dua because you have everything that you need you know and as soon as you go and push yourself and you get out of this comfort zone you feel And this is what we do in fasting during Ramadan as well, right? We Mm. feel that we need Allah. Like we are not here depending on ourselves and we are like cool like that. And, you know, all we need is ourselves, you know, relying on ourselves. Yeah, there is a point of view that you need to trust yourself and you need to be independent. But there's also this understanding that you need to push yourself to get into the zone of understanding that you are nothing Mm. without your creator, right? Right, yeah. And, and that's why every time you push yourself, you feel you feel like you want to make more dua. You do make more dua and then you get more. And you can feel this reward of feeling uncomfortable. Mm. And I think also that that's relevant to the way we see our whole lives. Because depending on what you're aiming for in life, a lot of the narrative, especially kind of secular narrative, if you like, uh, is that you are aiming for some kind of happy, usually happiness or success in this life that you're mm-hmm. going to attain in this life, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be comfortable and happy and that's it. But if you don't expect, you don't expect that kind of clean peak of success or whatever in this life, then you understand that you're going to be struggling throughout your life, right? Because mm-hmm. the goal is not in this life to start with, it's in the next life. Yeah. And then you you know, like you're not going to you're not ever going to be fully comfortable because you haven't reached that point yet. Yeah. That's true. And it, it kind of applies as well into this understanding of you know, someone is saying it's it's hard to be Muslim right now and it's hard to be yeah. uh, you know, a Muslim woman in the West. Who said it's supposed to be easy? Exactly. And the same applies to Ramadan. Yeah. Who said Ramadan That's is true. supposed to be easy, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not. <laughs> but that's why the reward is so much bigger, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the same time, it doesn't mean we need to constantly be inflicting difficulty and struggle on ourselves. Yeah. Right? But we need to understand... <laughs> We are not promoting to be uncomfortable all the time, okay? <laughs> I think we need to know why we want, why do we need those times when we're comfortable, when things are easy? It's so we can re-energize ourselves yeah. to push again because yeah. we're only human. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it kind of applies to this fear of failure mm. as well to understand, you know, what's the worst that can happen. It really just, mm. you know, it's just in this life anyways. And if you lose that uh, opportunity, there's going to be a lot more opportunities mm. waiting for you, inshallah. Mm. And if not now, it's going to be later. Yeah, I want to talk about this concept of, you know, feeling pressure, but enjoying it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We had talked about this the other day, so just give us a glimpse of the, how that could look like. Can you remind me what we said? <laughs> Basically, we talked about this, and I think it applies to a lot of people out there that they have, for example, let's just be practical. They have a day job, and then they have a side hustle, or they have you know, their usual financial income, and then they have their passion project. And to understand that a lot of times when we have this pressure of, you know, financial pressure, mm. family pressure, whatever pressure it could be, that we enjoy it because it pushes us to do more. Like, okay, I'm having a lot of stress right now in my day job, but it pushes me mm. to be even more invested into my passion project because I enjoy this. You know, I enjoy having the pressure. Mm. I'm trying to think whether I enjoy having pressure. Oh, let's say pressure, <laughs> but you still um, enjoy it. Right. I think to an extent, it's just about understanding why you're doing each thing that you're doing. So if someone is working full time and they're doing a project mm -hmm. on the side, that is the thing that they find more fulfilling mm -hmm. or has more purpose for them, then why are they doing the day job? Is it because they need money, which is a <laughs> perfectly <laughs> good reason? Or is it because they have some kind of goal that they want to achieve in that aspect of their Uh, professional life that they need to have this job in order to reach that level mm -hmm. uh, whatever the reason might be if we know why we're doing it then it makes it easier keep doing it right True. even if it's not enjoyable as such yep. and if we're doing a side project we also need to understand what we expect to come of that do we want it to become full-time are we kind of happy for it to stay as a side project something that we just enjoy doing when we have the time mm -hmm. yeah i suppose if you have a full-time job it, it it does put the pressure on a bit more to understand why you're doing it because mm -hmm. it's hard <laughs> to do two things at the same time yeah. so you need you really need to understand why you want to do it that's what i'll say the purpose behind it <laughs> okay so to wrap up i have two questions one purpose behind book nomad podcast and why and who should tune in and subscribe Okay, purpose. I mean, I did, I covered it a little bit. It's for me, for myself, <laughs> to explore books and understand them better. And hopefully that's the same for the listener, that they get a different perspective on a book that they might have read already, but they saw it differently. And for me, when I've listened to book podcasts, it has helped me to see things in a different way. Um, even if you don't agree with them, what, what I'm saying, for example, on my podcast, It might trigger some ideas in your mind that you hadn't thought of before. So, yeah, that's one reason. Uh, the other reason, as I said, is just to put another kind of perspective out there. Yeah, there are other Muslim Muslims talking about books. 
um, but not many in relation to the wider to the just the number of podcasts there are out there so that was Mm -hmm. another reason I did it who should listen I mean anyone who wants to (laughs) (laughs) um I suppose I specific I mainly talk about fiction and I like to kind of explore the cultural side so I, I try to look at world fiction not just mainstream if you like in the west Mm-hmm. I suppose it is mainly Muslims or Muslims, but I mean, I'd be happy if there are non-Muslims listening as well. But yeah, it's just for people who want to kind of think deeper about what they're reading. I'll put it like that. Yes, and it's it's so beautiful, mashallah. Um, I'm very grateful that you started it, especially as someone that doesn't read a lot of fiction. It's super interesting. And yeah, what you actually said that. Even if you don't agree with it, it's still super relevant and we can learn from each other. Mm. I think that's what we what we explored when I was on the podcast this yes. week. Because <laughs> you had two books. Yeah. <laughs> it was I think the first time you, you did two books in the same episode. Yeah. Right? Okay, so we talked about Say it in French. Uh, Le Petit Prince, the little prince. The little prince and the alchemist. We had very different views on them, but I really, really enjoyed talking about yeah. them and like just discussing what we can learn from them in life or what we can learn from you know exploring them even and having like different perspectives on them yeah what we learn from each other yeah it <laughs> I, it took away so much so inshallah check that episode out as well yeah, it's coming please. on the on the 8th this wednesday inshallah exactly so starting into Ramadan and uh, my last question to you advice to your 16 year old self oh <laughs> this is my favorite I've seen this question so many times um again I think because when I was 16 I was very risk averse I didn't not I didn't like taking risks and I think I mean that's why fear of failure I guess is such a big thing for me So I think it would be what I've been saying in this episode, actually, that to just don't make problems bigger than they are. Think about them in relation to life. But when you're 16, (laughs) life seems, your life now seems to be your whole life, right? So I don't know if if a 16-year-old me would actually take that advice. (laughs) (laughs) If we just keep saying it, maybe they listen. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but maybe they need to uh, they need to live it to learn it. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times I think we we know a lot of things but we don't understand them. Yeah. So, you know, it's keeping like what them in we were mind. saying. It's like what we were saying when you were on Book Nomad about each stage of our life mm. has a certain kind of learning journey to be taken. Yeah. yeah. And you have to be prepared for different different um parts of your life and different stages of your life differently but a lot of times the same advice applies to different situations which is interesting because you know a lot of times you remember what your grandmother or your mother said to you and you're like yeah that's so true after like 10 years of not ignoring it (laughs) (laughs) true yeah (laughs) Uh, so yeah alhamdulillah thank you so much for coming onto this podcast thank you It was good fun. Thank you. And one question you should ask the listeners about anything that we talked about today, they could answer in the comments below. So ask the audience a question. Okay. I should have thought about this. Um, Yeah. Spontaneous. Let's have a five minutes of silence while I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fear of failure. 
the thing is sometimes i feel like these questions like people feel like they need to expose their personal struggles in public and i don't always like encouraging that okay and then i'll ask the obvious question <laughs> how do they deal with uh fear of failure or success in their daily life super interesting so inshallah leave it down in the comments and don't forget the real deal is going on at sharediversity.com jump on the newsletter comment below this episode and share your diversity with us if you enjoyed this episode, like and share with your friends and make sure to rate and review us on iTunes so we can keep creating content that is relevant to you. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum.